the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life. Hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. All right, here we are. Where I feel like I was born to be, right here behind the microphone of the Bible Live broadcast, recently attended a reunion of the orphanage that I grew up in, Cal Farley's Boys Ranch. It's a home for homeless and delinquent boys, and it really was a working ranch. It was not a little orphan any kind of orphanage. It was a little over 2,000 acres of irrigated pasture land, and we slopped the hogs, herded the cattle, and milked the cows, and took care of all the chores. And then, of course, it had kind of a dream life for boys, a lot of dogs to play with and other kids to fight with. Recently attended a reunion of the ranch and some of the kids that I grew up with. I had 12 years there. I saw a lot of boys come and go. We're reminiscing a bit about how central the scriptures were to our lives. We had a great chaplain there that taught us the scriptures well. From age 8 to 17, I memorized well over 2,000 verses. During college, I was in youth evangelism. And then right out of college, my wife and I joined the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ. This book has been so central to my own life. And through the years, as we've ministered that word to other people uh, here and around the world, 35 countries of the world, we've lived almost 10 years overseas. A wonderful, wonderful adventure. Now, tonight, we're going to start the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. But before we get there, we're going to go to the Proverbs and pick up in chapter 26 of the Proverbs, where we left off before, starting in verse 13, of these nuggets of wisdom on the Bible of life. Proverbs 26, 13 through 28. The lazy person is full of excuses, saying, I can't go outside because there might be a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door turns back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Some people are so lazy that they won't lift a finger to feed themselves. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Yanking a dog's ears is as foolish as interfering in someone else's argument. 
just as damaging as a madman shooting a lethal weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says i was only joking fire goes out for lack of fuel and quarrels disappear when gossip stops a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood what dainty morsels rumors are but they sink deep into one's heart smooth words may hide a wicked heart just as a pretty glaze covers a common clay pot people with hate in their hearts may sound pleasant enough but don't believe them though they pretend to be kind their hearts are full of all kinds of evil while their hatred may be concealed by trickery it will finally come to light for all to see if you set a trap for others you will get caught in it yourself if you roll a boulder down on others it will roll back and crush you a lying tongue hates its victims and flattery causes ruin end of reading proverbs 26 13 through 28 you're listening to the bible live with soapy dollar And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus, the Messiah, moving now from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, where the Messiah, the Savior that God will send into the world, is prefigured, predicted, foreshadowed. We are told in great detail about his life, over 300 prophecies about this one, this man who would come. We know it's a man only because the Bible tells us that he would be of the human race. It wouldn't be an angel, wouldn't be any other kind of creature, that he would be a human being, that he would be of the male gender that cuts it down to the half of the population. And then it just keeps narrowing it down. It tells us what family lineage he's going to come from, what national heritage, where he's going to be born in many of the major events of his life. Tonight we move to the New Testament to the book of Hebrews. Just before I give you a little background from the book of Hebrews, I love this passage from Proverbs. It talks so much about the tongue, four different kinds of tongue in chapter 26. Those who control their tongue and control their language, they think before they speak. Then it talks about the caring tongue, those who speak truthfully while seeking to encourage. But then there's always the conniving tongue, those filled with lies, with wrong motives, with slander, with a desire to twist the truth for their own benefit. So very many of our politicians are golden tongue and they know how to talk, but they are filled with lies and it can be very, very dangerous. The careless tongue is the one whose speech pattern is also filled with lies, but without thinking, though, and it can lead to a lot of chaos and rebellion, destructive in the relationships. Now, as we go to the book of Hebrews, this is a book written probably before the temple was destroyed, before 70 A.D., probably written by Paul, but others have conjectured perhaps Luke, Barnabas, Apollo, Silas, Philip, Priscilla, others that are mentioned. But the purpose is to present the all-sufficiency, the superiority of Jesus, Jesus the Messiah as it related to the Old Testament revelation. Let's listen now. Hebrews, Hebrews on the Bible 1, Live. 1 through 620. Hebrews 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. But now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. 
God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son He made the universe and everything in it. The Son reflects God's own glory, and everything about Him represents God exactly. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of His command. After He died to cleanse us from the stain of sin, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God of heaven. This shows that God's Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave Him is far greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what He said to Jesus, You are my Son. Today I have become your Father. And again God said, I will be His Father, and He will be my Son. And then when He presented His honored Son to the world, God said, Let all the angels of God worship Him. God calls his angels messengers swift as the wind and servants made of flaming fire. But to his son he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your royal power is expressed in righteousness. You love what is right and hate what is wrong. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. And, Lord, in the beginning you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will roll them up like an old coat. They will fade away like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will never grow old. And God never said to an angel as he did to his son, Sit in honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. But angels are only servants. They are spirits sent from God to care for those who will receive salvation. Hebrews 2 So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. The message God delivered through angels has always proved true, and the people were punished for every violation of the law and every act of disobedience. What makes us think that we can escape if we are indifferent to this great salvation that was announced by the Lord Jesus himself? It was passed on to us by those who heard him speak. And God verified the message by signs and wonders and various miracles and by giving gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose to do so. And furthermore, the future world we are talking about will not be controlled by angels. For somewhere in the scriptures it says, What is man that you should think of him, and the son of man that you should care for him? For a little while you made him lower than the angels, and you crowned him with glory and honor. You gave him authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all of this happen. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, and now is crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death for us. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone in all the world. And it was only right that God, who made everything and for whom everything was made, should bring his many children into glory. Through the suffering of Jesus, God made him a perfect leader, one fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will declare the wonder of your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among all your people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. And in the same context he said, Here I am together with the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. 
for only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying we all know that jesus came to help the descendants of abraham not to help the angels therefore it was necessary for jesus to be in every respect like us his brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before god he then could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself has gone through suffering and temptation he is able to help us when we are being tempted you're listening to the bible live with soapy dollar hebrews three and so dear brothers and sisters who belong to god and are bound for heaven think about this jesus whom we declare to be god's messenger and high priest for he was faithful to god who appointed him just as moses served faithfully and was entrusted with god's entire house but jesus deserves far more glory than moses just as a person who builds a fine house deserves more praise than the house itself for every house has a builder but god is the one who made everything moses was certainly faithful in god's house but only as a servant his work was an illustration of the truths god would reveal later but christ the faithful son was in charge of the entire household and we are god's household if we keep up our courage and remain confident in our hope in christ that is why the holy spirit says today you must listen to his voice don't harden your hearts against him as israel did when they rebelled when they tested god's patience in the wilderness there your ancestors tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for forty years so i was angry with them and i said their hearts always turn away from me they refuse to do what i tell them so in my anger i made a vow they will never enter my place of rest be careful then dear brothers and sisters make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving turning you away from the living god you must warn each other every day as long as it is called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against god for if we are faithful to the end trusting god just as firmly as when we first believed we will share in all that belongs to christ but never forget this warning today you must listen to his voice don't harden your hearts against him as israel did when they rebelled and who were those people who rebelled against god even though they heard his voice weren't they the ones moses led out of egypt and who made god angry for forty years wasn't it the people who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom was god speaking when he vowed that they would never enter his place of rest he was speaking to those who disobeyed him so we see that they were not allowed to enter his rest because of their unbelief hebrews four god's promise of entering his place of rest still stands so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to get there for this good news that god has prepared a place of rest has been announced to us just as it was to them but it did them no good because they didn't believe what god told them for only we who believe can enter his place of rest as for those who didn't believe god said in my anger i made a vow they will never enter my place of rest even though his place of rest has been ready since he made the world we know it is ready because the scriptures mention the seventh day saying on the seventh day god rested from all his work but in the other passage god said they will never enter my place of rest 
So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who formerly heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering His place of rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David a long time later in the words already quoted. Today you must listen to His voice. Don't harden your hearts against Him. This new place of rest was not the land of Canaan where Joshua led them. If it had been, God would not have spoken later about another day of rest. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who enter into God's rest will find rest from their labors, just as God rested after creating the world. Let us do our best to enter that place of rest. For anyone who disobeys God as the people of Israel did will fall. For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Nothing in all creation can hide from Him. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. That is why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us cling to Him and never stop trusting Him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Hebrews 5 Now a high priest is a man chosen to represent other human beings in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers their sacrifices for sins. And because he is human, he is able to deal gently with the people, though they are ignorant and wayward. For he is subject to the same weaknesses they have. That is why he has to offer sacrifices, both for their sins and for his own sins. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He has to be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not exalt himself to become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage God said to him, You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could deliver him out of death. And God heard his prayers because of his reverence for God. So even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the line of Melchizedek. There is so much more we would like to say about this, but you don't seem to listen, so it's hard to make you understand. You have been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the Scriptures. You are like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who is living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong and then do what is right. Hebrews 6. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. 
Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to restore to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people to repentance again because they are nailing the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting Him, holding Him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the rain that falls on it and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has the blessing of God. But if a field bears thistles and thorns, it is useless. The farmer will condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking like this, we really don't believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unfair. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him, and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other Christians as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep right on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and patience. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you richly, and I will multiply your descendants into countless millions. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it, and without any question that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath, so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the line of Melchizedek. End of reading Hebrews 1, 1 through 6.20. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Very, very interesting reading from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, written, as I said, probably before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Although there are references to the temple, to the sacrifices, and so on, there is no reference to its destruction. So we are left to think that it was probably, at this time, still standing. Hebrews helps us to bridge between the Old Testament 
and the New Testament. Now that Messiah has come to carry out his important work, the book of Hebrews helps us to understand that work, particularly chapter 2, I would say, because it relates very much to Philippians chapter 2 in explaining what was it that Jesus Christ, the word Christ, the Greek presentation of the Hebrew word Meshua or Messiah, what was it that Jesus came to do? He did not come just to be a nice moral person or a great moral leader or to found a religion. He was not just another preacher or prophet, but his primary role, as we're told in chapter 2, is to come and be the perfect man of faith. He came to be the second Adam, the second human being to confront the relationship with God from the side of sinless innocence. All the rest of us, from Adam to us now, have approached God from the position of fallen, sinful human beings. Jesus did not inherit the irresistible tendency to sin that all the rest of us do. He was born of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary not of human parentage. He was fully and entirely human, but he did not have that irresistible, irrevocable tendency to selfishness and sin. To him, it would have been a choice again, just as it was a choice to Adam. But Adam failed and fell into sin. And with Adam, in Adam, all of humanity came under the penalty, the condemnation of sin. Now, Jesus comes and his role is to walk out a perfect life of a human being. How did Jesus do his miracles? How did he prophesy? How did he know so much? How did he have a sense of his own identity and who he was? It was not because he was God. He was God. There's no doubt about it. But he did not come to earth to prove he was God. He either was God or wasn't God, and there's nothing you or I or anyone else could do about it. What he came to do as the eternal Son of God was to voluntarily leave off the free exercise of his godly prerogatives, his godly rights, he did not stop being God, but he left off the free, open right to practice all of his rights as God. He voluntarily walked under the yoke of faith. He voluntarily subjected himself and became dependent upon the Father and the Spirit and walked out the perfect life of faith as a human being. And because he did that, according to chapter 2, verse 16 tonight, he was able to become our mediator. He who knew no sin, as Peter called him, became sin for us. He suffered our condemnation, but was raised again, a new creation. The new race of humanity began with him. He is the first fruits, and those of us who trust in him become part of the people of God, a new race born again into his kingdom. This passage is so rich in meaning and in teaching for us. But I want to mention this. In chapter 6, there is a hypothetical given. If someone could know God, be once enlightened, could have uh, experienced the good things of heaven and share in the taste of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and then fall away. And some people think this is a passage teaching that uh, people can be saved and then lose their salvation. And that is not the point of this passage. Remember now that this is written to Jews, to Hebrews, and the second-generation Jews. Some of them were undergoing persecution, and they were thinking about going back from Jesus, the Messiah, going back to Judaism. And all Paul is saying in here, or the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, is that you couldn't do that. If you could go back, you could not be re-redeemed. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. 
That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.